Hello and welcome to another episode of the Microbiome Research X podcast. I'm Adar Sandu, an editor of the MRX website that features the latest news, views and research highlights on the microbiome in Japan and globally. Our guest today is Jennifer Hill, who is at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City in the US. Jennifer is the grand winner of the 2022 Noster and Science Microbiome Prize for her essay entitled From Bugs to Beta Cells. Links to details about the prize-winning essay and her research can be found on the Noster and MRX websites. Jennifer, thank you for joining us for this episode of the MRX podcast. First of all, congratulations on being the grand prize winner of the Noster and Science Microbiome Prize for 2022. Can we start today by asking you if you could uh, give us an overview of your research, the background, why you're doing what you're doing, and also perhaps some insights into what triggered your interest in the microbiome initially? Yeah, um, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, my journey into the microbiome is um, sort of a culmination of uh, the multiple research experiences I've had as a trainee in the field of biology. Um, so it kind of starts all the way back when I was an undergraduate at um, Humboldt State University, a very tiny little state um, undergraduate focused research school in um, rural Northern California, um, but an excellent school for um, but the biological sciences for sure. And when I was there, I joined a um, a research lab studying extremophiles, um, extreme microbes that live in boiling hot lakes in volcanic um, environments. And we were very interested in the depth of genetic diversity that these unknown microbes could offer. Um, and it was sort of an eye-opening experience, not only as a you know first-time undergraduate research trainee, but also just about the depth of microbial diversity that exists on our planet and how unexplored it really is. Um, and then after that, I had the opportunity to um, do some developmental biology research as a post-baccalaureate fellow um, through the California Institute for Regenerative Medicine's um, Bridges Fellowship Program, which helps to sort of connect undergraduates to um, higher level research experiences in the state of California. And I was lucky enough to land in a um, developmental biology lab studying the pancreas in zebrafish. Um, that was Didier Stanier's lab at UCSF back when his lab was there. Um, and so it gave me all of these new tools for um, studying developmental biology in zebrafish um, and sort of opening my eyes to that side of, of biology. And then when I went to graduate school, I kind of like fortuitously combined these two previous research experiences when I joined the lab of Karen Gilliman at the University of Oregon. And her lab is known for studying um, the gut microbiota and how it can influence development in the zebrafish model. And when I joined her lab, um, microbiota science was very focused on um, signals that were maintained in the gut and how microbes could, you know, signal to the developing gut environment. And 
Um, I was just kind of intrigued as a young trainee, having just come out of my experience with zebrafish in Didier's lab um, and studying the pancreas. And I was very much wondering whether or not microbes could influence pancreatic development. Um, there were some interesting new papers coming out about how the microbiome could influence um, metabolism and insulin signaling. And so there were, you know, published connections there that um, I think were convincing enough for, for Karen, for my mentor, to allow me to pursue those questions. Um, and it really turned out to, you know, be an idea that was um, had some legs or was kind of concrete. Uh, and, and that's where, where the research, you know, led to our discovery of BFA and microbial signals that can stimulate beta cell development. So long story. <laughs> Fascinating. Sounds like you've had a very um, exciting journey to, to get here. And what are you doing now? Um, what methods do you use? What approaches do you use for your research? Yeah, um, I've definitely, it's maybe not traditional for a trainee, but I've sort of carried this research from my graduate training into my postdoctoral fellowship. Um, I'm now at the University of Utah under the mentorship of um, June Round, who's a, a microbiota expert, and Charlie Murtaugh, who um, is well known for studying pancreatic development. And so I got them to jointly mentor, mentor me and to help me continue this theme of studying the microbiota in the pancreas, but now having the opportunity to kind of leverage some of the evolutionary differences that exist in mammalian systems to start to uncover some more layers of this micro-pancreas um, signaling axis. And so I've been utilizing um, germ-free mice to um, sort of ask some of these questions that are unique to mammalian islet and beta cell developmental physiology. I see. And what are the challenges ahead to achieve the goals of your research? Um, are they technical, inspirational? Are there knowledge gaps, perhaps? Um, what are the hurdles that you have to overcome to, to achieve what you're trying to do? Yeah. I think the microbiota field has come a really long way in the last decade, especially in terms of tools for starting to drill down into, you know, from compositional changes that are correlated with a given phenotype to, you know, actual specific microbial based mechanisms that are driving those phenotypes. And I've been lucky enough to be on the wave of trainees that have benefited from a lot of these um, advances in the notobiotic field. But I would say that um, some of the biggest things that are still difficult are in order to drill down to a lot of these functions of individual microbes, we have to be able to genetically manipulate those microbes, right, in order to, um, you know, take away specific genes and find out what they do. And many of these microbes that are associated with us, our resident communities, are they're, they're composed of very exotic exotic taxa that we don't often study. Um, and so we don't have very good genetic tools um, at the moment to really um, manipulate these things in a way that will allow us to get down to some of these functional questions that are going to be really important for moving the field forward in a mechanistic way. Um, but we're getting there. Uh, we're getting there. <laughs> And do you think you could give us uh, an overview of some of your recent results and discoveries in your research on the microbiome? Yeah. Um, 
Well, it's nice that you asked this question because last week our um, paper describing the mechanistic and translational um, aspects of, of BFA, of our, our bacterial protein, I was just published in Cell Metabolism last week, so it's hot off the press, um, and I'm really proud of this work. It's a culmination of a huge collaboration um, between my graduate lab at the University of Oregon with Karen Gilliman and my postdoc labs um, with June Round and Charlie Murtaugh. And um, it's taken a long time to get here and there has been the contributions of multiple um, very talented researchers um, along the way, but it has um, allowed us to um, uncover maybe two new findings that contribute to the field. Um, the first being that um, secreted bacterial products can travel systemically throughout the body to have direct impacts on target organs, which has sort of maybe been a contentious idea in the field as to whether or not um, places outside of the gut are you know, directly responding to microbes or microbial products without an immune type mediator. And then secondly, um, it is a contribution that we've made to beta cell biology in finding that membrane permeabilization itself can be a mechanism to stimulate beta cell turnover and renewal, which will be really important in um, potentially renewing beta cell populations for diabetes. Um, and I think making this connection of, you know, microbial secreted, you know, membrane permeabilizing products and, and this beta cell mechanism is really unique and novel. And so I'm really excited to see how it's received. Yeah. Well done. Congratulations on publishing this research. And the next question is, uh, what do you think are the implications of this research for society in general? Do you think it would lead to um, treatments or prevention of diseases? How do you see the social impact of this research? As a disclaimer, this is still very basic research, but our hope is that um, maybe we've uncovered something that, uh, that can be useful for human beta cells. And I say that because um, one of the main challenges in the field of beta cell um, biology and finding products that can promote beta cell renewal is that all of the animal models that we use, um, the, the biology of their beta cells is quite different from humans. And human beta cells tend to be um, a challenge because they're recalcitrant to a lot of these signals that promote the development and renewal of animal model beta cells. And so you might find something in an animal model that's really promising, but then it won't translate well to humans. And we're really hopeful that um, because the mechanism of BFA is such a universal one, um, membrane permeabilization, that maybe our results will, will translate well to humans. Um, but we haven't done the experiments yet to test that, but it's in the to-do list. <laughs> Wonderful. Many things to look forward to as this research evolves. Now I'd like to move on to the NOSTA and Science Microbiome Prize and ask uh, why you decided to apply for the prize, and um, how did you go about writing the award-winning essay? Perhaps some hints for listeners um, considering applying for the 2023 prize. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think um, maybe at the stage I'm at in my career, sort of senior level postdoc, you're 
constantly looking for opportunities um, to get your research out and to promote your your own you know agenda as it were so that you can start to carve out your own independence um, and I had multiple people kind of sending me the link to the science essay contest um, and uh, my previous mentor Karen Gilliman actually was sort of the the final um, sort of push that got me to write the essay. Uh, um, her confidence in me was definitely a good a good boost to 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 try it to throw my hat in the ring. <laughs> and the essay, um, what process did you follow to make the whole thing uh, as painless as possible? Because writing essays can be a very time consuming um, exercise. Well, yeah, it's been a little while now since I guess I started it, but um, I definitely just sort of jotted down some of the big ideas on paper that I hoped to get across. Um, tried to think about some of the ideas in um, the microbiota field that I feel like are unique to my research that I've contributed to. And um, I wrote a draft and I think the key was you know, not being afraid to ask for help in editing it and reading it from my mentors and peers. Um, I definitely had uh, a lot of back and forth editing with um, my graduate mentor, Karen, who has, you know, for me, helped me formulate a lot of these ideas and has obviously been um, a model for a lot of them. But I think after we had a draft, um, I sent it to a couple of graduate students that I work with to make sure that it came across to um, other audiences or maybe other trainees well. Um, because I feel like if you can, whenever you're trying to get ideas across, if you can, um, if you can make trainees and undergraduates and graduate level students feel um, empowered with that knowledge, like they can understand it, then I think it's probably a good place for that type of a, an article or essay. How long did it take you to produce the final version? Um, it actually probably wasn't that long. Um, I don't think I took as long writing it maybe as, um, as some people might. Uh, I spent a lot of time brainstorming and thinking more about the ways that I wanted to convey the ideas, but the actual writing of it was maybe, you know, an intense weekend. <laughs> Um, before it was sort of in a finished form. And what has been the response since your essay was published in Science Magazine? Have you had offers of um, giving talks or uh, collaboration as well? Yeah, it's been, um, it's been great. I've had um, lots of people reaching out, you know, with um, questions, I think both the general public as well as the scientific community. Um, I, uh, let's see, I went back, actually, the funnest thing that has happened has been going back to my undergraduate university to give a seminar and to kind of, um, you know, tell my story to the undergraduate trainees that are there uh, as, as a way to um, think about career possibilities, I guess, with the training that you get there. That was, that was maybe the best or the funnest thing that I think I've done. But um, yeah, there's definitely been um, people reaching out about um, seminars and, and meetings. Yeah, it's definitely been helpful for elevating my ideas out there. And finally, uh, do you have a message for researchers who may be considering submitting an essay for the uh, NOSTA and Science Microbiome Prize? 
Yeah. Um, I think that especially in, in the sciences, you spend a really, really long time as a trainee and um, it can it can lead to, you know, maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome about your capabilities. Um, and so I guess I would just say to anybody thinking about it to just own their ideas and know that, you know, you're you're capable <laughs> and to go for it. Thank you, Jennifer, for sharing your thoughts about research on the microbiome and also hints on writing a winning essay for the Noster and Science Microbiome Prize. May I wish you all the best with your research and um, I look forward to following your activities in the future. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. This concludes... This episode of the Microbiome Research Podcast. For the information about the podcast is available on the Microbiome Research X and NOST websites. And on behalf of the editors of the MRX website, thank you for joining us and we look forward to your company again.